0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 7 of the Red Zone Review Sports Podcast. So, it has been a little bit since I've made a sports podcast on this channel, and that is because I've been, first of all, very busy, but if you've been keeping track, I have been doing weekly videos predicting who will win the games. So that's been good because I haven't been able to do that in the past, and I'm happy that I've been able to do that. But um, I was actually supposed to do this live stream last Saturday. And I actually recorded the whole thing thinking I was streaming. OBS said it was streaming. And it turns out that YouTube updated their stream service, and you have to actually get a new stream key. So it reset everything. So I'm all good now. I am on the YouTube platform. Um, so that's good to know. And uh, if you're listening on audio, you can go ahead and look uh, on YouTube in the future. To see this show when it happens live and get some video versions if you want to see me and uh, my set behind me as well. Uh, Go ahead and do that and maybe you're watching this now or in the future and you think oh maybe the audio is better for me. You can get this podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, anywhere you would like. So go ahead and follow there if you want and I'll also quick before we hop into everything. I'm gonna plug my Instagram and my Twitter. So I've got my Twitter here at Riley Red Zone. Very useful. I'm right now posting every week my Thursday night pick, which is um because I'm normally not able to get the video out in time, so I always predict the Thursday night game on Twitter, so you can go ahead and get that there. And then the Instagram I'm still kind of setting up. We don't have any followers yet, but we'll get there eventually. So yeah, that is gonna be my plug. So as you can see on the left side of the screen, if you are watching. On the video version, I have three things on the agenda today. As now we, I planned this before week five. I was supposed to do, it, you know, on the Saturday. So I was gonna say we're a quarter of the way through. Now we're over a quarter of way, fo- uh, further than that of the NFL season. So I want to already talk about who I think are the favorites for the NFL awards so far this season. I'm wearing a Russell Wilson jersey because we'll talk about him. I'm not a Seahawks fan though. I'm a Vikings fan, but have to talk about that so we are doing that then we're talking about some college footballs i really think this is a great opportunity for me to talk about college football because i'm mostly doing nfl content on the channel but don't worry i'll i'll get some college out there uh and then lastly i'm gonna just for right now rank my top 10 teams i haven't yet gotten into power rankings, maybe in the future I can do that, I just feel really busy right now with the picks alone, so when I have time like this though, which I have most of this week off, I'm going to be using that time to hopefully put out some content for you guys, so with that being said, I'm going to jump into the first segment here, so I'm going to talk about every NFL award, so I'm going to be discussing the MVP, the Offensive Player of the Year, the Defensive Player of the Year. The Offensive Rookie of the Year, and the Defensive Rookie of the Year, and as well as the Comeback Player of the Year, and the Coach of the Year. So I will be talking about all of these awards, just making sure we don't have any chat yet, but um, I will be talking about all of them. So first I'm going to talk about the MVP. Now the MVP is normally given to a quarterback, so I have four quarterbacks on this list. I had some extra when I recorded it on Saturday. Took two off. I had Dak Prescott, which prayers to Dak. Right now that was I was watching that live when that entry happened. That was not good whatsoever. So prayers for him hoping he can make a good recovery. But I had him in a kind of as a dark horse. He was still in the running, he was putting up a lot of touchdowns. I also for right now, don't count him out. But I took off Lamar Jackson, as right now I don't think he's performing at the level he did last year. Um, so I don't think he can really compare to these other four guys being the running. So I'm actually recording this right now. Now it's on a Tuesday night, which is actually surprisingly during a football game. That's right, the NFL has Tuesday night football, which is right now the Titans and Bills. And so if anything happens, you know, this could sound obsolete right away. But. I'm going to be talking about some of those players, because they're in the contention for some of these awards, so it's specifically one that I'll talk about uh, in a little bit. So, for MVP, I took out those two. Once again, don't count out Lamar, but he just has not looked like himself from last year yet. So, at number one, I've got Russell Wilson. Their defense struggled, uh, that would have been two nights ago, against the Minnesota Vikings, but he was able to clutch up at the end, and... As a Vikings fan, you can say whatever you want. I personally am with Zimmer on going for it, but here's the problem with what happened. Um, the big problem of what happened here is I'm fine with going for it, but the problem is that if you're Mike Zimmer, you are known as a defensive head coach. The only reason you go for that is, first of all, you know if you can't end the game, that's a game over. But second of all, if you have to know in that situation that if you don't get it, you're trusting your defense to stop the other team. And if you're Mike Zimmer, he did. And so to me, the big problem is that, is that he trusted his defense and they didn't get it done. It's not that he went for it, that's fine, but it's that he didn't get it. And you gave Russell Wilson, as I'm about to talk about, the opportunity of a lifetime. And he puts in a clutch drive. And second of all, I know this is kind of talking about the Vikings, but like putting rookie Cam Dantzler on DK Metcalf was just not the move. And Russell knows that, so he exploits it. So he did very well. Started a little rusty, but he came on in the second half, and that's what good players do. And so on the season, he has 19 touchdowns, 3 picks. That That's crazy. So you're basically saying he'd be on... On pace right now if he's played five games and he's you could call it twenty. You know, you're you're looking at almost a pace of sixty touchdowns right now. I doubt he gets there, but that's what he's on pace for. Um so he's just been outstanding. I will say he and the next guy I'm gonna talk about have been playing like the best quarterback in football. Not the. I still think the number one quarterback is the guy right up here that I'm pointing at, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But i think that right now who's playing like the best quarterback it's got to be russell wilson so coming in a close second it's very close is aaron Rodgers. he did not play this week because he is on bye, but he's looked spectacular they're putting up a whole lot of points a game he's thrown to guys you know robert tonyan was one of their leading receivers a few weeks ago like he's doing it with players that you know weren't drafted in the first round and doing very well um even with the with Devontae Adams out. So I think he's done very well. He has 13 touchdowns, no picks. I'm excited to see him play again here because he has been spectacular this season so far. So he's got to be in the running right there. Um, he statistically, because I'm kind of going off stats. I'm normally not a huge stat guy, but um, with MVP kind of predicting, it seems people go with the stats. So I'm mentioning all of these. Um, and then we have Patrick Mahomes, who is who I pointed at earlier. He, I think, still is the number one quarterback. He isn't playing like it right now, necessarily. I mean, he can at some but Russell and Aaron Rodgers are kind of on a separate tier. But Mahomes has 13 touchdowns, one pick. But how did they lose to the Raiders? They cost me a pick right there. Um, that was crazy. I can't believe they lost to them, but... Still, I think Mahomes is up there. You gotta keep him in the running. You you can't take him out. So um he's done very well. I don't think he wins it. I think right now it's gotta be Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, but you gotta keep Mahomes in the running with that offense. Then this is a guy that um I believe it's the NBA, uh, has the most improved player award. I think it went, well, it's probably going to go to maybe like Bam Adebayo, for example, uh, for the Heat in NBA. But I love this award. I I think that's a great award. The NFL has the comeback player of the year, which I'll talk about later. That's kind of a separate thing. But I think a most improved player could be kind of a a very good one to look at. Uh, I'm thinking, though... I believe Darren Waller won the uh, Comeback Player of the Year. Unless, maybe they do have an most improved. I'm pretty confident, though, that that is the NBA that does that. But uh, this is who I would give it to if the NFL did it. Josh Allen. Josh Allen has improved. He still has, I've been talking about for a while, he still has his flaws. He's not perfect in accuracy. But he has a huge arm, it's got to have the best arm talent, and he's really improved, you've seen it where all they needed was Stefan Diggs up there, Um, that's a signed photo of him on the screen, but um, they, that's what they needed, they needed a deep threat, because he can throw a deep, but he just needed a number one receiver that you know can go catch the ball for him, so that's what they needed, and uh, they got it for him, so... He's performed outstanding. He's got 12 touchdown, one pick and he's going to improve it. However, he's playing right now um you know, I'm not watching the game at this very moment, but um when I looked it was 7-7 so he he could improve that tonight if he plays well. He'll be up there maybe above Mahomes to be honest, but he's he's really upped his game. So he needs to be mentioned in this. Then we're going to talk about offensive player of the year. Now, offensive player of the year is normally, I would say, uh, given to somebody who is normally not a quarterback. But I did put a quarterback on there. Because otherwise, you could obviously say that MVP is the offensive player of the year. I mean, if he's the best player and he's already on offense. But it seems they don't do that. They normally give it to a running back or receiver. Or, or I guess a tight end could somehow get it. But that hasn't really happened. But I have four names here again. And so... Uh, Number one for the offensive player of the year, Dalvin Cook. Now, the problem, he just got hurt. He might only miss one week, though, and if he does, he's honestly still in contention because right now he's leading the NFL in 489 rushing yards and seven touchdowns on the ground, so that's huge. I think they, um, I think even, so even if some of these other guys I'm looking at rush for 100 yards, they're still not catching Dalvin Cook right now. So, he needs to be in the running, Even if he misses one week, um, He, if he can come back, he will be. Um, which they haven't by the week after, so that's not going to be good for him statistically. But he, he can definitely bounce back. So he needs to be up there. But if he is somehow, if he gets hurt again... I'm not going to wood that he doesn't, but um, if he did get hurt again or if he misses extended time that we're not thinking he will with this injury, I think um, he could miss it, but right now you need to keep him in there. Then I have Alvin Kamara, who he actually, this is crazy to me. Um, I almost didn't put him on the list because I was like, ah, he's got almost half the rushing yards uh, Dalvin Cook has, but he has... 100 more yards as a receiver, which I guess makes sense with how many screenplays they do, but he has 296 yards and four touchdowns on the ground. But in the receiving game, he has 395 yards and three touchdowns, and that is huge for the Saints' offense. I mean, last night, Alvin Kamara seemed to be, at the end of the game, the go-to guy for the Saints. He made a clutch catch Um, he with Michael Thomas out. Drew Brees is still getting used to Emmanuel Sanders. Jared Cook was banged up. He went to Alvin Kamara. And he is showing up in the receiving game as well. Um, So, he needs to be a mention. So, he technically, total, has seven touchdowns just like Dalvin Cook. So, he needs to be in the running. And then, Aaron Jones is my other one. that He currently has 374 yards and four touchdowns. Had a bye this week. Um... And then, I didn't look at the receiving numbers, but for example, the game against Detroit. He made a great play um, with the catch. So, that he he's a receiving option, like kind of mentioned with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is thrown to guys who are not notoriously known to be great receivers. So, uh, he has stepped up in a big way, and that was important for this team. And then, my dark horse candidate is Kyler Murray. So, he has performed a bit better last week. Um, he had, did, he had the first two weeks, he was really good. And then the second two weeks, he was kind of eh. And then, um, this last week, he got another rushing touchdown. But the reason I'm putting him on here is the rushing ability. He has 265 yards and five touchdowns from the ground. So, had to keep him in there as a dark horse. But right now, I would say it's Dalvin Cook. But if he ends up missing more time, Alvin Kamara would be your favorite. Now the defensive player of the year. Uh, I have three names. All guys who go after the quarterback, they're all edge rushers. So, it's interesting because this could, you know, last year it went to Stefan Gilmore. This year, nobody, I don't think, um, Stefan Gilmore is quite at the level he was last year. Very, still very good player. But I don't think he's quite where he was last year. So, looking at the defensive player, my three nominees are edge rushers. And, uh, they all have pretty high sack totals so far this season. So, Aaron Donald, I had him on the list even when he only had three and a half sacks, right? You know, because he's, this is like, I'll talk about it later for a different award, but sometimes they seem to not give the award. Like, Aaron Donald, for the past four years, has been the best defensive player. He could be the defensive player of the year every single season, but they don't. They kind of give it to a guy who's shown out statistically and really improved. But Aaron Donald had three-and-a-half sacks total going in the last week. Now, he has seven-and-a-half. He got four sacks in one game. That is crazy. I, I mean, it's a mix of Aaron Donald is obviously amazing, but golly, that football team offensive line must have been terrible because there's no way you let up four sacks to one dude like that. I mean, even if it's Aaron Donald, that's just crazy. So, and it's still crazy to think he he's a D tackle. He's get, he should be at least be double teamed all the time and he's still putting up these numbers. So right now he's got to be the clear favorite to me. I believe he's already won the award, but um if not he'll get it. But then the other guy Miles Garrett, you got to keep an eye on him. He's got six sacks. I would say honestly right now if you don't count Aaron Donald as a edge player, he's he's a pass rusher but not an edge player. If you're talking about edge players, I would say Miles Garrett is probably the best pass rushing uh, edge or defensive end right now. Because, you know, edge can be outside linebackers with Von Miller hurt and J.J. Watt not being the top one anymore. T.J. Watt's been pretty good, but I would right now give Miles Garrett that top spot. So, I think he definitely has uh, a lot of, he deserves a recognition. He's. It's him and Aaron Donald, I think, for the future that are going to be great. And then I also have, as, as a dark horse, have Zadarius Smith, who I think is both an impact in the run and the pass. Probably out of, uh, I think he's more of a better run stop player than Miles Garrett, but he has five sacks and he also helps the Packers team on stopping the run. So those are my three candidates. I would say Aaron Donald should be the winner, but if Miles Garrett can really step it up again, it could be him. So offensive rookie of the year. I've got three favorites and two dart throws, so I'm just going to say the dart throws real quick here. Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He's looked very good. I knew he would be good. I didn't think he was going to be good this year, though. I didn't think he was going to be top fantasy option. Well, I should say, I knew he'd play well, but I didn't think he was going to get the opportunity. Um, So that was one of my takes that kind of hasn't looked the best, but... um, So Clyde Edwards-Alaire, right away, like Damien Williams, he's out of Kansas City, to be honest. I mean, unless you can get him for nothing... There's no reason to keep him around because they have their future at running back. It fits the system perfectly. So that's, he's not going to win it probably unless he, re- you know, these other guys just fall apart. And then the other one I just want to say is James Robinson. Uh, He's an undrafted rookie for the Jaguars. Took over the Leonard Fournette role and he's not as powerful as Leonard Fournette but a lot faster and they can really run him in the screen game and has a lot more agility and quickness. So he deserves some recognition as even I, I didn't think he was going to be drafted and He maybe should have been with the way he's playing. but So those are two dark throws. But then there's three guys that I really want to talk about here for the Offensive Rookie of the Year. In the clear ones, Joe Burrow. He has looked pretty darn good. Uh, Last week didn't do as well, but the first four weeks, he performed pretty well. Um, I think he may not be getting as many wins for his team, but he's really performing well on tape. Uh, He's throwing... To T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green, he's doing very well. Um, he, yeah, he's playing better than the record shows, if you know what I mean here. So, like, he he's performed like an NFL quarterback, a ready-right-now quarterback. and Just the Bengals, their offensive line needs to be fixed. Bobby Hart is up there with struggling at right tackle. Um, you know, one of the lower ones, him and Titus Howard from the Texans, I know are two big ones that I think are overrated and overpaid. Um, but so they need to fix that. But Joe Burrow's looked okay in Cincinnati. You've got hope for the future. Then we've got Justin Jefferson, who didn't do a lot against Seattle, but before then he'd had a two-week stretch where Justin Jefferson is the Stefan Diggs now of the Minnesota Vikings. He really w- proved his worth by being number 22. I was shocked the Eagles didn't take him. Um, so. The Vikings got a gift getting him as he looks outstanding. Um, I believe they're kind of playing him on the outside as he played slot all in college. And it was kind of like you look at the Vikings receiving core Thielen, we've got Jefferson, and then Ola BC Johnson, Tajay Sharp, all kind of slot receivers that have to maybe try to play outside. So that's been very interesting to see. But Jefferson has adapted very well. So he's he's performed pretty well gotta keep him in the running then Justin Herbert helped his performance even more last week Um, I definitely did not think he was gonna be performing this well Herbert is a guy I had ranked in the top 20 of my draft rankings which next year I think I'm gonna do a lot more detail on my draft rankings I kinda this year just did a prediction video and then but if I were to do my big board for example this year I had him when I did it um, as a top 20 player, but I knew he'd be picked top 10. It's just like Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, I probably had somewhere between, I'm going to say, 25 and 40. Maybe, maybe that's a little high. I might have had him lower than that, but he got picked top 10. So, um, anything can happen, and I did not expect him, though, to be this good. And it's so sad. Last night, he performed so good. I mean, he performed very well. He's thrown it to Mike Williams. He's... He was doing well with Keenan Allen before and even, like, you think about it at the end of the game. I mean, although it seems simple, he took what the defense gave him and then just threw it to Mike Williams and it's a perfect ball where either Mike Williams gets it or nobody gets it. So, Herbert has performed spectacular. I just can't believe they're 0-4. Now, I will say the negative on Herbert is just like I knew coming out of college, he's going to make the weird play once a game that you think, what in the world? are you thinking? Like, I remember watching the Chiefs-Chargers game. This man has five yards in front of him, rolling out to his left, and he chucks it in the middle of the field, and it's easily intercepted because it's double-covered. And and you think, what are you thinking there, bud? But uh, he's been outstanding, uh, nevertheless. I just cannot believe that they're 0-4. It kind of shows, and I like Anthony Lynn as a coach, but when... When your quarterback, your young quarterback, is playing so well, and you still can't get any, and they're all close losses, too. Like, last night, I personally think that the Chargers kind of half, like, they were half between at the end there. At the end of regulation, are, are we going for the field goal? Are we trying to get it, or are we just going to let it go to overtime? They seem kind of in between. I mean, Herbert was smart taking what the defense gave him, but if they their deep shots were working with Mike Williams, if they maybe did it a a little bit faster, they could have got down there a little um, quicker and gotten more yards for their kicker, because Badgley's a decent kicker, but sad they missed, but yeah, once again, I just cannot believe they're 0-4. Then on defense, last Saturday, I had only two guys written down. I've added two, kind of as dark horses, but I had Chase Young. To me, it's still very clear. I think Chase Young gets the defensive rookie of the year. Um, still performing decent for the football team. Uh, That's really why I'm going to say Chase Young is a great player. But honestly, like Jeff Okuda, I have PFF and I follow their grades. Jeff Okuda is like, I think, a 26 coverage or something to me, 33. Like, below 40. Um, and his overall defensive grade is like in the forties. It's he's not looking very good, according to that. He will develop, but he just needs some time. And I think we knew that, but. My, I'll say, my other dark horse, uh, I wrote C.J. Henderson to kind of be the corner representative, but I don't think he wins it no matter what. But then here are the other two to take note of. Last week, I did have this guy on there, which was Antoine Winfield. He's performed pretty well for the Bucks at Free Safety. And then the, he's a great ball hawk. Uh, you saw it at Minnesota. He showed a lot of great instincts. And the other one is Yatur Grosmatos, which I also thought was a steal. Thought he was going to be picking in the top 25, or at least in the end of the first round, and he fell all the way to the Panthers in round two. I was very shocked by that, and he looked very good this week specifically, so I wrote his name in the mix there. Then we have the Comeback Player of the Year, and this one, I think I'm going to need some more time to really think of, because I was looking up who was hurt last year, and honestly, none of them have been outstanding. You could say, honestly, now that I think about it, I didn't really write them down, but, um... Ben Roethlisberger is definitely one that, um, you could include in here. He might be a great one, but then I also put in, so this one I'm not 100% confident in, but you could put his name in there. You can put Cam Newton. He's been out the last few weeks, um, on the reserve list, not injury, though. The other, I think YouTube actually has, like, if you say, um, what it is, he's on the, um, reserve list, uh, for he's unable to play, but not because of injury. So... Uh, Alden Smith is my other one that he's for, he hasn't done anything the last two weeks, but he performed very well at the beginning. But then again, it is like on one hand, how did nobody else sign this dude? He hasn't been in the league for three years, but I once again say it and I say it all the time, the off the bench factor is unbeaten. There's a reason Ryan Tannehill came out of nowhere. He's still doing decent this year. But why do you think he absolutely excelled last year? Because the defenses were preparing for Marcus Mariota, you know, and then you got flipped Tannehill. And here's the thing. You can look at film from last week specifically, but... Um, that's not very big sample size. And you can't also be looking, oh, because we've only got two weeks here, let's look at pass tape. You can't do that because guys change from year to year. Maybe they learn something from a coach. They're in a dis- different system, and they just change. So you can't do that. So there's a reason Tannehill happened there. You think about here Ryan Fitzpatrick. Why has he been paid so many times as a backup? It's because he comes off the bench, and nobody's expecting him, and then he gets paid, and then he's a starter, and it's eh. He's okay and then like for example I maybe in my college quarterbacks video I ranked Sam Howell number 11 and maybe that was a little low people were roasting me for it well I'll say they were trying to roast me with it saying oh Sam Howell is the obvious number three behind uh, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields I don't think them so. I don't think so and right now Sam Howell maybe I put him a little low but he was a freshman last year and He hasn't been a top three quarterback this year. I have my Heisman list. Yeah, uh, North Carolina may be undefeated, but I've got six guys that, let alone, and there's even more that I could put in front of them for the Heisman Trophy. So, uh, quarterbacks, not even players. So, uh, I don't think he's a top three. And you think about it, right? Last year, one of the comments was, oh, last year, he didn't even start half the year. Right was a freshman meaning that if you're wanting to watch film on him all you're gonna have is high school and what is high school tape gonna do for you at the college football power five level pretty much nothing maybe a little but not pretty much nothing so he performed because he came off the bench so that was kind of a you know a rant as you could call it there but I'm just saying that is my opinion on this so I like I'm I kind of give these points like I need to emphasize this Um, that's one thing that I'm always going to say till the end of time right now. Unless something changed my mind, the the off-the-bench factor is amazing. So, it's just very interesting. Coach of the year. Now, this is what I wanted to say about, this is one of them where they don't give it to the person who should get it every year. There's a reason that in basketball, they don't give it to LeBron James every year for MVP. Is he the best player? Probably. He probably is, to be honest. Just about every year. I know Giannis had a good year, but in football, it's equivalent of Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is the best NFL coach. There's no doubting it, there's no debating it. But they don't give it to him every year. So, Bill Belichick is the best coach. You could say Andy Reid's one of the best coaches. They never give it to him, though, do they? So, I have written down three player, three coaches here that I think have kind of overperformed of what they th- I thought they were going to do. If they've kind of elevated their team. Uh, recently, you know, they give it to teams like that. They give it to um, coaches who have kind of elevated their team. So number one, I have Sean McDermott. His team is still undefeated. Don't know what's going on in the game right now, but could still be undefeated. I think they need to be mentioned. I'm still not a huge fan of the Bills. I think... You'll see where I have them in the rankings. I have them pretty high, but I, I think that um they could lower. I think they've played some honestly pretty easy opponents, specifically the first few weeks. They've they've played some more difficult ones, and tonight's probably their biggest test yet. But nevertheless, I think they've kind of played some easier ones, but they've got to be mentioned in there. Number one, though, this could be a huge candidate, is Kevin Stefanski. The Cleveland Browns are 4-1. and one. That is crazy. I cannot believe I can say that. Um, so, credit to Kevin Stefanski there, coming from Minnesota and, uh, getting stuff done for Cleveland with Baker Mayfield, who I never thought is a outstanding quarterback, so he's getting it done. And then, I put John Gruden on there because I honestly was not a very big Raiders, uh, like, I didn't like the way their team is constructed or anything like that going into the year, so for them to be kind of on the positive end of five hundred. I think that's great for them. So they've overperformed. so I put them on there. But I would say Stefanski might be the favorite. But Sean McDermott's got to be in there as well. Now looking for college football, I have my Heisman favorites. But before that, I'm going to talk about college football in general. This is kind of going to be going off the script, off the rails here. I'm going to be kind of just going on a little, little rant here. I do not. I love college football. I should say this first of all. I'm always for college football, I love college football, it's how I actually became a football fan back in 2012, started with college football before I got into the NFL, two or three years actually before, Um, I'd say two, I like it, I, lo- I love college football, but there are some imperfect things, and obviously I know this year's weird, but there's some things that I think they could have done. I'm gonna start with number one. This is for all years. I don't love the 14 playoff format, and I'll talk about this in a few minutes here. After I bounce here to the subject on why this year specifically it's gonna be very difficult. Um, I think that in the future I'm gonna say an 18 playoff I think would be perfect because you get your Power Five winners, you bring one group of five in team in there, and unless they're undefeated. You put them number eight. You give them the last seed, right? Because, sure, I think that makes it fair. You give the group of five team the eighth seed. But you take your five power conference winners. And then you get two more wild cards. To me, that's pretty fair. Um, and then, you know, uh, you can kind of base on record. On how you want to seed that. However how you want to do it. But to me, eight works very well. But then, this year specifically. I don't love the way that... Now... Something I like is the top 25 because you think about it, that's kind of like oh this is an official ranking. Like with the NFL, you can debate things all the time, right? But there is no official ranking until the playoffs on who is the best team. You have your records, but you can still debate. You can make a case that a 2 and 2 team may be better than a 3 and 1 team. You don't like, you've got that. But in college football, whatever your ranking is, that, that's going to impact you, even for making the playoffs. So, here's the problem with the, the rankings right now. I personally don't like it that they already put in the rankings for teams that are not playing yet. Now, I know that it's it was very difficult, as three of the Power 5 conferences said they're playing, and then two of them said they weren't, and now they're both getting back in, so they're behind. But what doesn't make sense to me is how the first two or three weeks, they didn't include those teams. They didn't include the those teams. Um, and what's cool about that is, for example, you had a team like Cincinnati, where at one point it was UCF until they lost, but you had these American teams kind of jumping up there to getting close to number 10 and that type of thing. But now you introduce all the Big Ten schools and Pac-12 now the Pac-12 won't really have much except for Oregon but you're adding all these schools and what I don't get is how yes I know that they announced they're going to play football but I don't like it that they added them to the rankings immediately I definitely think that um they need to be there at some point and I'm not saying it's wrong they necessarily do rank them but I personally think it would have been better if if they wait till the week before the Big Ten's about to play, and then they put them in. Because right now what we have, and it's going to be very interesting, and this is going to kind of just keep jumping into the points here, is we're going to, right now we have Ohio State in the top ten. And I actually believe Wisconsin it maybe was, or some other team, went into the top ten. Because last week we had some big teams go down. We had Florida lose. We had Auburn lose to Bama. We had Miami all lose. Um... They were all top, I believe, top seven teams, or at least top eight, top ten teams. And what happened there is we had this avalanche. For example, North Carolina moved up from the early teens to now, I think, they're number five. That is crazy. Now, that happens in college football. But here is where the problem begins. Now we have Ohio State. We have eventually Wisconsin, probably Michigan, and I'll say Oregon and the problem is as teams start to lose above them that have already been playing let's say it's a Notre Dame it's a Georgia it's a North Carolina those types of schools Oklahoma state they're going to lose and at some point in my opinion maybe not as we i think i think Big 10 is already starting not this Saturday but maybe next Saturday i think Oh, or it's the weekend after, but, um, so they're, we're coming close, and maybe this won't happen, but I've been thinking for a little bit that we're going to end up with, like, three top ten teams that haven't played yet, you know, and I don't know how fair that is. um. And, like I said, you need to include them at some point, but I don't think right away is the right move and then i'm very this is kind of more of an interesting thing. It's too late to change the playoff format, like I said a few minutes ago, I think an eight team playoff format would be the best, but you can't right now make a change so that you're not that's not gonna happen. But what you can do here well i can't you can't really make a solution, but what I should say more is I'm very interested to watch how. They take this approach as, how do you compare, as an example, I don't know how many games each team plays for sure, but I think it's around six or so, or maybe eight for the Big Ten, and it's more, obviously, for the teams that have already played, like the SEC, ACC. How, let's just, I don't know, this is off the top of my head, but let's say the ACC and the SEC, they play ten games, and the Big Ten plays six. What is better? 9-1 Nine and one or six and zero. What's better, eight and two or six and zero, or maybe even five and one? Like, it almost it, it's going to become a advantage or a disadvantage. As for example, the Pac twelve I think might be the worst Power Five conference at the moment. Uh, Oregon's probably their best team, but behind that, you know, they're not playing too many good teams. So then, if Oregon goes six and zero, how does that judge compared to some of these SEC teams? You know, that, um, I'm very interested to see that, but, um, I'm just kind of excited to see that, but I hope they don't mess that up, but it could be an advantage, like, in one hand, if you're Ohio State, you only have to win six games, then you're probably guaranteed a, a, a playoff spot, probably, but then the disadvantage is in the past, if you lose one game, you're normally still in it, and you need to lose two or more to be out of the playoff, but this year, if you're a Big Ten team... Pretty much, you lose one game, you're you're probably done, unless you're a top top team. Um, whereas these other schools, there's a chance. I think it could be this year, almost an all undefeated playoff. But there's a chance that you can still make it at one loss. But when you only play six games, I don't think you deserve to either. So that was just kind of my opinion on college football, the state of college football right now. So that's what I think of. Uh, so it's very interesting, but this kinda of transitions into the actual segment which is my Heisman favorites. I have six names um, I'd say five contenders and one that I, I'm going to live on the hill of this until the season's over. I may be completely wrong but I am still planting my flag for this player so I need to make sure I emphasize that there's a chance he still could do it but um, I'm only listing players that I have played. So, Justin Fields Great example, Tanner Morgan. You know, those guys, they can perform as well as they want, but I don't think they... They can make the playoff. They can win their uh, Big Ten championship, but I don't think they necessarily deserve a Heisman Trophy. Um, so, I'm only going to be considering players who have already played. So, with that being said, I have six. Um, these are kind of in order, but not necessarily, to be honest. Um, right now... I'm just going to list them, kind of. I've got Kyle Trask, the Flor- the Florida quarterback. I think I had him right at maybe 11 or it might have been number 10 um, in my video. I would probably raise him up. I don't think he he could be a late-round pick next year, but he's looked very good. Now, he does have some top options as um, Pitts has been the best tight end in the country. Um, He's performed outstanding. Uh, I believe it's Kyle Pitts, yeah. Um, he's performed outstanding. He's gonna be a first-round draft pick, no doubt. So he's had the help, and I will tell you what. Tony, number one, uh oh, number one. I think it's Kadarius, Tony for for Florida. Now he's starting on everybody's radars, but I've been a fan of him since last year against Miami. I watched the first game, you know, because that was the inaugural game last year of college football. I watched him play, and he just looks outstanding with the ball. Kind of like a Tyreek Hill, but he's more of a running back. I think, personally, I think he's listed as a wide receiver. To me, he plays running back and really is going to be well. If he goes to, like, a Kyle Shanahan or even... He's almost like, in my opinion, what, like, Cordero Patterson is, but even more, maybe, explosive. Um, I think, honestly, he can play running back. uh, Specifically, though, I think the screen game is amazing. So he's got... So Kyle Trask has a lot of help, I should say. Um... But he's got 14 touchdowns one pick. I think he's performed very well. We'll see if Florida, you know, they lost a the game already. So we'll see how that happens. But I think he's performed very well and deserves a nominee here. Trevor Lawrence has performed very well. They're the number one team in the country. This is, once again, he is the number one quarterback in college football. But they normally give the Heisman to a very high statistically quarterback. Um, So... He's got 10 touchdowns, no picks. That's pretty darn good, so I'm going to leave him in there. He's been pretty good. Now, Sam Ellinger, they've already lost their, I believe, just inside the top 25. They might be out of it now, but he's got 16 touchdowns, 4 picks. So the 16 touchdowns is great, but he's still not making great decisions. So I think that Sam Ellinger might be... um. He could be drafted in the fifth or sixth round, but I don't think he's gonna be a great NFL quarterback no matter what. So, um, he's a he's just like an freaking example. I think Ian Book is a player that is a great college quarterback, or I should say, decent college quarterback. He'll run your offense and he'll win you games in college football, but I don't think he's gonna be a top player in the NFL. But um, he's he's a player like that. So then you've got Sam Ellinger here again. He's just kind of there. I think he's got. The touchdowns, but the interceptions are not good. And I right now think a quarterback wins the award. But you could see, a, like, I believe it's Iowa State's running back as one of the top. Um, they've not been doing outstanding, so I don't think he wins it. So I think a quarterback wins it this year. But then another player, Mac Jones. I didn't. I wasn't that big of a fan of Mac Jones going in. Maybe I need to do an updated top 25 video, but um, he'd probably be in there now. But I don't think he's super high up there. Um, but he's got a touchdown one pick. It's hard to say with Mac Jones because Alabama's had so many Mac quarterbacks over the years. I mean, do you guys remember? We had A.J. McCarron. Who's, he's just a prototypical backup. But can we just quick get a remember? I believe it's, it was Cam. No, it was Blake. It was Blake Sims. Like, Alabama wins with Blake Sims. You know, he, they can win with anybody. Him, you know, and then obviously, Tua's probably their best quarterback they've had over the past few years. But, yeah, they can win with A.J. McCarron. Um, what's his name? Jake Coker, I think it was. Um, they can win with anybody. So, it's hard to tell because he's thrown to Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, and Najee Harris. You know, he's got the best surrounding talent in the league. And offense aligned with the likes of Alex Weather- Leatherwood. So, I mean, he's got the best surrounding talent. So, it's hard to judge him for that. Then, another one, Spencer Rattler. Um... 13 touchdowns, 5 picks, a lot of touchdowns, he, you know, is Oklahoma's next quarterback, but I don't think he wins it this year, I'm kind of glad, I think he is probably a top 25 quarterback now, but I didn't put him in the video, because he didn't play a snap, and I feel okay about that, he, everybody thought that he'd be good, because just, basically just because he went to Oklahoma, you know, but, uh, I think, He's good. He'll be the future of Lincoln Riley here unless Lincoln Riley leaves for an NFL job, which he's, I think, for sure good enough for if he gets a good defensive coordinator. But um, he needs to be in here, but I don't think he wins it. Uh, and then, once again, I am planting my flag for De'Eric King. He may have lost last week to Clemson, but this this man is amazing. He's got some great running ability. Once again, don't think he's going to be a great NFL quarterback, but... He's got to be up there. He's only got six touchdowns, two picks, but I believe in him. I believe in him. Last week, okay, so l- sorry, last year, I should say I didn't have the podcast going, but last year I rode on the Jalen Hurts Heisman train on um, the whole season. And I was close. If Joe Burrow was not a thing, Jalen Hurts might win the Heisman. Or at least, you know, he's, he's really high up there. So if Joe Burrow didn't exist. I think he has a chance. But I'm this year I'm going on DRK. He's my guy. If if he doesn't win, that's okay, but I'm jumping on the bandwagon of Deer King, so I'm hoping he does well, but that's the list. I would say Kyle Trask, honestly, might be the favorite right now. Which is, if you would have told me two months ago, I'd be saying Kyle Trask, is the, is the Heisman favorite, I I would not believe you, but Trevor Lawrence is up there, I mean, maybe if Justin Fields can somehow do something, I don't think so, but I just don't think there's enough sample size for these guys uh, in the uh, Big Ten. He's gotta be the only guy, I think, though, that could make something happen, maybe, to make a case, but I think it has to be uh, one of these guys, but last segment of the day here, I'm gonna be doing my top ten NFL teams, I'm gonna go from ten to one, and I'm gonna be honest, I don't think that this list is like it really in a way makes sense. like it feels like there's not 10 good teams. It almost feels weird putting like I really value record. For example, I will say the Patriots with Cam Newton, if they are healthy, I think the Patriots with Cam Newton can beat even the Bills in their division. I do head to head they I didn't put them cuz they're only 2 and 2. Um, but I think they're good. The Saints are good. I didn't put them in there. Um, those are some teams that I thought going into season, Cardinals, Niners are teams I really thought would be. There's no NFC East teams in this. I really went, all these teams have three wins or above. Um, actually, except for the Titans, um, they are a top 10 team. I'll say that. Uh, All of them have, I believe, four or more wins. So, um, Yeah. So, we've got some good teams, uh, record-wise, but I was once again surprised. Looking at this list, I would say there's about seven actually decent teams, and it's very unbalanced. I have, um yeah, I'll just get to that, but basically, I'm going to be ranking it from 10 to 1. So, at number 10, the Bear Down Chicago Bears. So... You could put them higher. They beat the Bucks, But this quarterback situation is awful. I mean, it, it it is not good. One of the worst in the NFL. Now, I was very shocked, to be honest, that I think going into the season, it made sense for them to go with Foles. I honestly thought they should have. But then once they were 3-0, and even though they're losing the Falcons, I was very shocked they pulled the switch on Trubisky. Um, so, once again, it was like going into the season, I was thinking Foles should have had the job. But then once you're 3-0, and I don't think you can switch that fast. But they did, and it worked out for one game. Foles didn't do great against the Colts. Uh, but then he didn't, they won, but once again, he didn't do great against the Bucks. So I have him at number 10 because this quarterback situation is just not there. Khalil Mack's always going to be good on the defense, but uh, they're definitely like very surprising that this is a top 10 team uh but that is the situation like I will say it right now i don't i do not have an n f c south team or an n f c east team now maybe you can make a case for the saints or the bucks, and this is where I probably would have put the bucks, but they lost to the bears, so for right now, I put the bears ahead uh then at number nine, I have the browns i i did I really just say that the browns have a top ten team i think i did i think I'm thinking correctly. I, I, going into the season two, I, I thought we'd once again be on the hype train for the Browns, overhyping them again. But this year they're doing well. Credit to Kevin Stefanski, and it hurts that Nick Chubb is hurt, but they still cream Hunt. Um, so they are looking very good on offense. So, uh, and then Miles Garrett as well. Is a game-changer on the defense so he deserves some credit there credit to Kevin Stefanski Uh, I once again I'm very shocked that I'm saying that right now the Cleveland Browns are a top 10 team hey it's 2020 anything can happen I guess at this point so the Rams are number eight the Rams Jared Goff's been okay I guess it's been interesting to see what they're doing with the run game now they've got Henderson acres Malcolm Brown that's very interesting. And then their receivers, obviously, you know, you've got Woods and Cup, And Higby's been good every once in a while. And, obviously, they have the best defensive player in the league, Aaron Donald, with seven and a half sacks. That is crazy. Um, but they, they've been decent. And then we have the Titans, who are playing right now. One team is probably going to drop down these rings. But, honestly, the Titans... I don't know how they're doing. They might be a little rusty though cuz they haven't played in a few weeks, but they've got some potential there. They need to get Derrick Henry going again. They need AJ Brown back. If they can get both those things to go, they're going to look okay. Uh but then this is where I think these are clear top 6. And I maybe uh I've could rearrange a little bit of this, but there these to me are the 6. Playoff, I should even say right now at this very current moment. Now, things can change if the Bucks, the Saints, they become on fire. I think if the Cardinals or Niners can get on a hot streak, they could win the Super Bowl. But, right now, it's right now I'd say these, these six teams are your Super Bowl contenders. At number six, I've got the Baltimore Ravens with Lamar Jackson. Now, he has not looked... What like what he was last year, so that's a little disappointing. But nevertheless, he's still doing very well, and one he just needs to get rolling a little bit. They're trying to figure out the run game between Ingram and Dobbins. Uh, they're they're working out if Marquise Brown can get going. They've got Mark Andrews. They're looking okay. Um, they you can't take them out of Super Bowl contention. So um, I think that they you know even though Lamar hasn't been spectacular, I think they're a Super Bowl caliber team. At number six, the the Buffalo Bills. Once again, was not a huge fan going into season. I knew there was a possibility they'd win the division, but I didn't think they would. But they right now are on pace, too. So Diggs was exactly what they needed for that offense, so credit to them for going out and getting Josh Allen a playmaker, which Josh Allen has looked um, very good this year. Then at number four, I have... Uh, Did I say number four for the Bills? I meant number five. Um, But at number four, I have Pittsburgh Steelers. And Ben has looked very well. And that was one of my things I was going to predict is that um, Ben would perform well. People kind of forgot about him just because he was out last year. And him, the Juju, he's getting Chase Claypool. Holy cow, Chase Claypool. With, I believe it was five touchdowns. Well, four, I think. And then they took back one maybe. Or maybe it was five (laughs) Um, touchdowns. Crazy. And... As a Notre Dame fan, I knew he'd be something special, and he's been showing that. So, in my opinion, though, they have the best defense in the league. They have Mika Fitzpatrick, TJ Watt, Cameron Hayward, Joe Hayden, you know, all all these good players on the back. And so, they, they look really good. Um, So, with that defense, I think they're number four. And number three, I have the Kansas City Chiefs, who, once again, how did you lose to the Raiders? I don't know, but they did. Cost me pick up this game. Again, nobody predicted that. But, um, yeah, uh, they are good. Their offense is good. I know it's basic, but they have great offense. You know, with Edwards-Alaire, obviously Mahomes, Hill, Watkins, Kelsey, they've got players all over the place. And on defense, if they can get Frank Clark going uh, and Tyron Matthew, they, they still look pretty good. Got to keep them in contention. And then my top two teams, the Green Bay Packers. They're putting up about 40 points a game. You know, they're scoring all over the place, and they're doing it without Devontae Adams. You know, they've got Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones. They're throwing to Robert Tunyon out of all people. And then their defense with Zadarius Smith is great. Jair Alexander's an up and coming corner. They've got some great potential on this team. So um, they right now are my number two, but you can make a case for them to be number one. But number one right now, I have Seattle Seahawks. Now, This is where I'm saying you can make a case. The Seahawks have now performed great on defense, to be honest. But I think that right now with the way Russell Wilson's playing, they've done enough to where they should be the best team in the NFL. So I think they, yes, they need to figure it out on defense, but they've got potential. They have Bobby Wagner. And Shaquille Griffin has really blossomed into a decent corner in my opinion, and Jamal Adams, when he's back and healthy, they can blitz him, I mean, they even, I know the Vikings don't have a great offensive line, but they were getting Ryan Neal, like a practice squad player from Atlanta, getting some pressure on the quarterback, and, um, so, when they get Jamal Adams back again, that, I think they're gonna recover, so, Seahawks have looked very, very good, so, that is my top 10 teams, not really, as I would have predicted, I think I would have had the Niners, Saints, Bucks in there. I keep saying those teams, but those are, I just am shocked. Um, I honestly probably would have had the Eagles in there going into the season. So I was very shocked about that. But with that being said, I think that's all the segments, though. Uh, once again, in the future, um, if you are ever watching live, maybe I'll try to make more emphasis that people come watch the podcast. I really appreciate it. Hopefully I can maybe get some future, maybe some NFL guests or, uh, well, former players of any type. Um, I'm I've been working on it for a while, still trying to, you know, so if you have any, uh, references or anything, um, definitely trying to get some more, um, recognition with this podcast and now, you know, I'm trying to get it known at different places, now we're on all the services, um... You know I'm verified on a like a a podcast uh, Google basically, Um, so if you want to check out those and once again check out the Twitter and the Instagram, Um, both have great uh, things to look at. Um, I I'm trying to work you know at getting this channel growing and we're slowly getting there and you know what we're trying our best and with 2020 and everything I appreciate every single view um, and all of you out there so. Like the video if you're watching it and you uh, enjoyed it, and or leave a review on your podcast. You know it's hard to kind of track some of you may be listening and some of you may be watching. So um, also if you're listening and you know I have breaks where I'm not doing a podcast for a bit, always just come come check me out on the socials or YouTube and just uh, if you want some extra football content. So with that being said, thank you so much for listening or watching the Red Zone Review podcast.